0: Business is changing and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. Webmasterradio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Larry Weber. Get ready to hear perspectives on technology and integrated communications that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and brands today. Now, please welcome our host, a globally known expert in PR and marketing, with more than three decades of experience, and best-selling author, the host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, everybody, and Happy New Year. It's Larry Weber and
1: Market Edge. I'm really excited to do this show today. Uh, we're doing a special hour-long show called Millennials Marketing and Technology 2015. You know, all marketers, advertisers, and uh, retailers, you name it, are after the millennials. They want to know, how do we get into their pocketbooks and uh, and bring them along? And uh, I uh, started about 19 years ago a group that I've mentioned before on the show, called, my the Massachusetts Innovation and Technology Exchange. We're the largest Internet advocacy group for marketing in the world, and we have over 10,000 members. So um, one of the groups within that is called the Future Leaders Group, and that's who I've assembled here today. And the Future Leaders Group, which is a bunch of millennials, is a group of selected leaders within the Boston community. They are selected by business leaders from the MyTechs board, uh, such as people from TripAdvisor, people from HubSpot, people from CVS Interactive, Hasbro, et cetera, et cetera. And along the other innovative and tech leaders within the Boston area, we're looking to these younger people to sort of help us see what's happening in new applications of technology, innovation, and marketing. So we're going to have a nice, long conversation about media, data, privacy, applications, technology, innovation, you name it. Uh, The wonderful young professionals with me here are Sarah Bedrick, who is the program leader at HubSpot Academy. And as you all know, HubSpot, the all-in-one inbound marketing software company, and I will have... Sarah talk about what she does on a daily basis in a moment. We have Hannah Weber, and there is a relation there, and she is an associate consultant at Communispace, a company, as you know, we had Diane Hessen on a couple times over the years, a company that it continues its uh, amazing rise. We have Jenna Kamen, the account director at Social Content at Digitas, and uh we know Digitas well. We had David Kenny on uh, before he left for the Weather Channel. He's probably busy today as we're expecting a couple feet of snow. We have Bryn Chartier, marketing manager at Tablelist, and we have Brian Gargan, video specialist lead at YouTube and Google, and we have from Vienna, Austria, Mo Plasnig, co-founder and CEO, CodeShip. So, let's start with a little background, just so that you're sure what our millennials are doing every day. Let's start, Sarah. Tell us what a day in your life looks like at HubSpot.
2: All right. Well, first and foremost, Larry, thank you for having me on your show. It's quite the honor. Um, As you said, I work at HubSpot. I've been there for almost four years, and I'm currently leading our certifications program. And so, I work with people internally and externally to devise where the inbound marketing industry is. And we use that to help marketers, students, entrepreneurs get certified in inbound marketing so that they can learn the fundamentals as well, you know, learn the fundamentals to basically excel with inbound marketing.
1: Hannah, what's a day like at Communispace?
3: Sure. Um, Thanks for having us. Uh, We're really excited to be here. Um, So I'm currently an associate consultant at Communispace. which is the leading consumer collaboration agency. Um, And I daily facilitate highly engaged online research communities for a number of clients across industries um, from finance, food service, healthcare, technology, um, and pure consumer brands. Um, So I assist in the design and organization of research activities and collaborate with consumers. Um, each day, developing relationships with them, and understanding what drives today's uh, market. So, yeah.
1: Thank you. Jenna from Digitop.
4: <laughs> Hello, and thank you again for having us. Um, at Digitop, uh, my role is really to help brands strategize about what they're doing in the social media landscape. Um, from The networks that we're familiar with, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, um, all the way to more niche communities and networks where they can really engage with their community and audience. Um, In today's age, a consumer expects to um, actually engage with a brand, not just face-to-face, but on their phones, on their laptops, on their TVs, and so forth. And so we're here to help them create those conversations in a meaningful way that leads to good results for them.
1: Brynn, TableList.
4: Thanks so much for having me here, Larry. Um, At TableList,
5: I'm marketing manager, and what we do at TableList is connect our members with the best nightlife experiences in Boston, New York, San Francisco, and Las Vegas. So we're a consumer startup actually founded here right in Boston, and we're really looking to revolutionize an industry that hasn't seen a lot of tech advance since the very beginning. If you imagine... Um, a doorman at a nightclub, he still is carrying a clipboard and is checking off his guest list. So we're looking to um, bring some tech to that industry and connect our members with uh, an easy way to plan and book their night out. So my job as marketing manager really connects our community together, um, gives the best information about every club and lounge. So I, I do a lot of work with content, which is actually really exciting is to build out our content strategy and really inform and um, guide our members to being able to plan their most important celebrations. And I also handle our social. So just as Jenna said over at Digita, you know, people really like having conversations feeling connected to the brand. So um, it's really exciting for me to be building
1: out our social presence. Thanks Brynn. And Brian, I'm curious, what is a video specialist lead? do it, YouTube and Google.
6: <laughs> Thanks, Larry, for having me. Uh, a bit of a mouthful, but uh, basically our sole responsibility is to uh, help brands um, grow their presence uh, via online video, um, specifically through YouTube. Uh, so I work with a lot of our big media agencies down in New York uh, and the largest advertisers that buy media through them.
1: Thanks. We had uh, Torrence Boone on a while ago who represents Google to all the ad agencies around the world. He was very interesting. And Mo, you can come off mute And from Vienna tell, tell and tell us about Codeship.
7: Yeah, thank you. Um, Codeship is um, enabling other software companies and other software startups to release their products and their applications and their customers faster uh, and we automate the whole process make the whole process more secure and basically help um, other software companies to release, deploy uh, their their applications faster
1: So development, development at a faster pace, correct?
7: Yes We basically make um, other software engineers more successful and more efficient
1: Cool Alright, um, I'm going to start with, uh, and I'll shoot it out to everybody, but I wanted to, I was just reading a, a recent ComScore uh, report, and it starts with everyone, marketers, brands included, seem to be obsessed with millennials lately. Uh, they say that you are a complex bunch to understand, but they you can't be ignored for one simple reason. You're becoming the largest demographic in the country over the next 36 months. This generation of 18- to 34-year-olds is also digitally native, which means that marketers and brands and want to engage with them need to understand their media consumption habits. You know, we're now having also these big flight fights you see, Netflix and Amazon. I guess Hulu's there. So I just want to talk in general, you know. With, you can put in the background sort of this television entertainment, but also they wanted to talk about how important Facebook still seems to be to your generation. Let's start with what you're looking for from a entertainment point of view. What's important to you guys? What's not important? Do you spend money on it? Do you not spend money on it? What do you see as the future there? And then we'll go around and I'll refresh you the question around social media, especially Facebook. But let's start with entertainment and let's start with you, Sarah.
2: Um, personally, my favorite form of entertainment right now is podcasts. We were talking about this before we, we jumped on here. And at my house, I, you know, I work a lot of late hours and I work weekends. And so at my house, I really like to unplug from the Internet as well as cable. So for me, I, don't, I strictly look to podcasts for entertainment. There's serial, which is entertaining, and has nothing to do with the industry that I'm in. How i also like also be on uh, the what is it, Startup Podcast from Alex Bloomberg. Very relevant to the industry that I'm in, as well as Market Edge, of course. Podcasts all the way for me. Hannah? Um, yeah, so I definitely have to agree with Sarah. I see
3: podcasts coming up um, becoming far more popular. They're easy to download, listen when you're commuting, um, and you can do other things while you're listening to them. Um, so, I like those. I also personally um, use my computer for most other entertainment I watch um, or things like Spotify for music. Um, I hardly ever use, I don't use iTunes, uh, the music store anymore, only online Spotify um, and other apps like that. So, um, yeah, that's I that's essay. So. Janet.
4: Um, I actually wouldn't point out to, to one necessary path to entertainment, and I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges marketers face with millennials is that we're, we're not stuck on one medium. Um, we listen to podcasts. We watch TV. We listen to music on our phones. Um, we might watch a video on our tablet. Um, and that, I think, is the biggest challenge is that Um, there isn't necessarily these habits that everyone's used to with with demographics. And the issues or challenges and obstacles that we're facing today is that um, young people are faced with phones and tablets and TVs and um, they're listening and watching and consuming content at all different points in their day and through all different vehicles. So for me, entertainment comes through different points and I think that, again, is the real obstacle. that we have to face is that we have to provide content on on different mediums, and because Hannah might watch, a, you know, listen to a podcast, but Brian might be more consumed with short videos, um, and we have to cater to that.
1: As uh, Bryn, before you answer, and then we go to uh, Brian and Mo, I wanted to just add something about, you know, though text based sort of platforms are still the most seem the most popular. It seems as though, and I wrote this in my last book, that we're quickly moving to a generation that communicates through visual information and video, obviously, quite a bit. And maybe you could also answer the question, but within the context of this growing movement, to a far more visual communication paradigm.
5: Absolutely. I mean, video is one of my favorite ways to learn and to be entertained. I'm much more apt to watch a tutorial video on something than to read a long user manual or even um, a blog post about something. And I feel the same way about entertainment. You know, it's really, it's a a very visual, um, it's a visual type of media that I think will make me stop my day and sit down and, you know, watch or learn something. And I think it's that that kind of on-demand consumption of it as well, being able to fit it into my day rather than having to sit down, you know, you don't really find groups of people sitting down to watch a, a television special as much anymore, being able to do it on your own
1: time I think is important. Brian, from the mountain, YouTube <laughs> and Google.
6: Yeah, um, I think everything that everybody said is, is pretty much right on point. Um, we're probably the most distracted generation, uh, but distracted in a manner that befits us uh, in that we have a multitude of screens that's always in front of us, whether it's our our cell phones, our tablets, when we're at home, whether it's our TVs, and nine times out of 10, our connected TVs. Um, So we kind of filter in the information that we want, and there's a ton of different access points. Um, And it's really, you know, how do we want to be entertained when it's in that on-demand fashion? And it's either, you know, a way to escape the workday or learn something new to be informed. Um, There's kind of a whole variety of reasons that that folks tune in. Um, And I think the, the most interesting point is that kind of the mediums that we're seeing really take off are ones that allow the audience to participate a little bit more and to kind of talk back uh, in an interesting fashion, um, which if you think about it traditionally, right, TV hasn't really allowed for that. Um, and the new mediums that are really taken off are the ones that really uh, kind of promote that engagement. Hey, Mo,
1: do you have any thoughts on this conversation?
7: <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I think I'm um, a little bit more old school because I, I just got a Kindle and I'm totally addicted to it. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of reading. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I I think for me, it's it's more important where and how I can find um, really interesting content. And I don't care that much about whether it's on YouTube or whether it's a podcast or a blog post. So I'm using Twitter a lot because for me, it's just the easiest way to find interesting um, content um, that other people uh, with similar interests or really different interests recommend.
1: I think that's, I think that's right. And Hey, don't be worried about the, uh, the Kindle and the fire and all that kind of stuff. Cause if there were two companies that are fighting for the heart and soul of the internet, It's Google and Amazon, and it's a big sumo wrestler fight. And uh, we'll see who's going to win that one. It's going to be interesting. It's time for a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with the Millennials Marketing and Technology 2015.
0: Market Edge will return in just a moment.
8: the a in all-inclusive marketing means award-winning leadership excellence and results as well as an a rating by the better business bureau for reach engagement and conversion it's all-inclusive marketing reserve a free consultation today at all inclusive slash radio
0: we're back with more market edge bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing only on webmasterradio.fm once again here's larry weber
1: Welcome back to Market Edge, where we're talking with a group of young professionals known as the millennials about the future of marketing, what marketers want, technology, innovation, and branding. You know, another thing, a fact that I saw in this ComScore study was that 81% of you have smartphones and that also the cost of a smartphone is going to get down about $50 in the next five years. So my guess is we're going to have complete penetration, and the Apple uh, products will probably stay a little more expensive, but become more fashion-oriented, necessarily, than utilitarian. So the other fact through that was what I was alluding to before, was that the fastest growing app right now on smartphones is Facebook. All right? Uh, And even though 11% growth doesn't sound like a lot when it's 11% on a billion two, that's a lot. So I thought Facebook was fading, guys, and I guess it's not. But from a marketing and a social impact point of view, an information-based point of view, what do you think, uh, Sarah? Is is Facebook going to be around for a long time like when you have kids?
2: I think this is a, a great question. I struggle a lot with Facebook because I still do log in. I still have a habit around that. But I see the way that I use Facebook changing. Um, the content that I used to post is completely different from the content that I post now. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity of something taking Facebook's place. So something that I could maybe talk Because Facebook is your public-facing self. It's what you put on there as a brand. And that's not really who we are as people, right? It's our curated self. Uh, So I'd love to see something take Facebook's place and be more meaningful to people as we grow. But I do love that all my photos are on there, all my friends are on there, and I can connect.
1: How many times a day do you go on Facebook?
2: uh, I would say maybe once or twice, maybe after work and before I go to bed.
1: How about Google? A lot. All day at work. Good answer.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Anna? Uh, sure. So, um, I think the reason Facebook is the fastest growing app, as you said, is they've done a really good job of being the platform that connects us to all our other platforms. So, if I get a new app um, and I want to sign in, it says log in using Facebook, and it that makes it so easy for me to just. Click that, and it gets all my credentials, and I'm in. Um, And so they've done a good job of linking into everything else. Um, That said, I think the Internet is in its infancy. Like Sarah said, I see myself and my friends using Facebook significantly less. A number of my friends have deleted their Facebooks and then have to get back on it because it's connected into everything else. So I see a trend in myself and my friends that um, they don't want to be using Facebook as much and they are using it differently, but they have to use it in order to be using other social media um, things.
1: So. Jenna, you know, when my mother used to start her day as a housewife back in the 50s and 60s, she'd turn on CBS and leave it on all day and all the way through the night. And that was her source of entertainment news. Everything is Facebook just the mass media for you guys?
4: Um, to a point, but I think um, I think because it's fading a little bit, and I think because there are, there are so many others like it, um, like a like a Twitter that sometimes feeds um, news for people a little bit faster and in a different way. Um, and we talked about curated, personalized news feeds. Um, like a Feedly, um, like the Skim that you guys were talking about earlier, Um, offline, Facebook is, yes, a little bit of the new medium of being there all day long, but so are a hundred other online curation tools. Um, So it's who's going to win at the end of the day. And I I don't know that one will. Um, It might still be the battle of... A lot that you know, many. Um, but certainly, it's not the TV in the background. It's us going online and finding personalized content for us.
1: Bryn, how about you? And, and give it. Give me a little context with face how Facebook would work with List. Yeah.
3: Sure. So I
5: use uh, Facebook as a marketing and advertising tool for tableless on a daily basis, and it's really interesting for us to be able to use their advanced targeting to find the right market. Um, 'Cause with new changes in the Facebook platform, our posts that I might put up for tablets, they don't reach our audience organically anymore. So we're really we really are challenged to find creative ways to reach our audience and paid advertising on Facebook is one that a lot of companies have adopted. But we're able to find that with advanced targeting, we're able to reach the right people with the right message and even start a conversation with them as well about the product. And we found that's really helpful as you know, a startup with just uh, 15 employees at this point, you know, we're, we're still crowdsourcing a lot of information about the product, feedback, you know, we build a lot of features around our members um, and our community suggestions, so I think Facebook is a really important platform for us in that way to still feel very connected
1: to our members. Hey, Brian, I, you know, answer this with your YouTube hat on, because sure. I've always wondered why YouTube wasn't more social. Is it is that a goal of YouTube's, or is it still primarily entertainment for me, customized entertainment for me, or do you think it can be more social, light-based?
6: Um, I would say YouTube is uh, is a social platform, um, to be honest, right? One of the things that we really see most about YouTube is the audience that's on YouTube is, is heavily engaged, right? And it's a bit of a different viewer. Um, whereas Facebook might be a little bit more passive. You're kind of scrolling through your news feed. You see a quick clip. Um, you, know, you might like it. You might uh, you know, just watch it quickly and move on. Um, YouTube is actually something where you know, viewers come onto YouTube, either maybe their friend sends them a YouTube link of a video that they must check out that's viral or trending, and they want to be kind of a part of that water cooler or a part of that um, conversation where, yes, they've seen it, but then what tends to happen is, um, because of kind of our discoverability features, they'll end up watching kind of a whole handful of videos that may be along the similar lines of that same topic of something that they're interested in. Um, and, you know, 20, 30 minutes go by and you realize that you've watched, you know, four or five uh, YouTube videos. Um, so it's kind of an interesting place, right, where users can really, they'll kind of get in the front door via maybe one of their friends, maybe through a Facebook feed even. And then once they're there, it, kind of, it really allows you to follow your passions and kind of go on from one video to the next. Hey, Mo, does your business rely at all on any kind of
1: data or anything from Facebook?
7: Not really, because our, our target audience is just not really using Facebook that much, but we are using other um, social networks like Twitter especially. But I think that's really... Um, Especially in our industry, software engineers tend to use Twitter a lot to um, exchange ideas and read um, about interesting things going on in their community, but they just don't like Facebook that much.
1: Get off Facebook. One more question about media for you all. You know, last year, and it looks like this year is going to be even larger, the world set a record for Paid television advertising, which I just don't get. I have been talking about this now for 20 years that there's got to be at some point a decline in that kind of advertising. The Super Bowl coming up is charging $4.5 million for 30 seconds. And it looks like they're sold out, even though I think the majority of the ads are trying to get you to a digital destination. How do millennials view? the TV ad, and is it going to be something that changes finally as television changes? What do you think,
6: Sarah?
2: I think you brought up something very interesting, is that commercials are more often now uh, linking to or integrating with the digital medium. There's the multi-screen, you know, I heard on one of your podcasts, and I think it's very appropriate that, you know, Hannah's sitting there watching TV while simultaneously on her iPad shopping and also looking at her Facebook feed to see what people are saying about the show or Twitter. And the TV commercials thing is really weird as long as it does, I guess, speak to me as a human, but how do they with the spray-and-pray method? You know, it's very mass advertising.
1: Jenna, how about you? You are come from a, a place that, you know, believes in television advertising, even though it's a digital organization.
4: Yeah, I think that there's obviously a shift um, in... I definitely think there needs to be a better shift from traditional TV advertising um, into more digital advertising. But at the same time, um, there also is just a shift that needs to happen with smarter TV advertising. And we saw a lot of that recently at CES, where more and more consumers are getting smart TVs, and more and more companies and startups are actually connecting TVs in the home with what you're doing on your phone and tablet So if those commercials are becoming smarter and going back to, we've all mentioned at various points that personalized and curated content, if all of us aren't getting necessarily um, the Nike ad on our TV, but it's actually based on our preferences because of what we're doing online and brands can start to know that, then I think that's where a good shift will happen. Um, But until we get to that point, I don't think millennials are caring because they're fast forwarding. Um, and it's not personalized content, and they're getting that personalized content online.
1: Hannah, what's Space seeing with its consumer companies? They work with a lot of consumer companies, and I guess they would say television might be working with the 50- and 60-year-olds, but it can't be working with millennials.
3: Great. Right, so that's something we look at a lot, especially with some of our um, teen communities um, for consumer brands. Um, and I think Jenna put it perfectly. If these TV ads can be more targeted and personalized to these people. Um, That's that's how it's going to work. But what we're seeing a lot with the consumers now um, in some of our communities um, is they're looking to social media, um, scrolling past the ads on TV if they're watching TV. So um, they want feedback from other consumers. They want reviews like on Yelp or... Um, if they're shopping online, they are going to want to see how those pants fit. So they're not, they want to hear what other consumers are saying as opposed to what a TV advertisement would tell them
1: about a product. Brian, how about from YouTube and Google's point of view? I mean, we all know Google's made more money than God just because they came up with an algorithm. Rather- to attach advertising to search. But where are the other revenue streams coming from, from an advertising-type model, especially YouTube, and from a video perspective?
6: Yeah, I I think YouTube, um, right, first and foremost, I I don't know that TV is going anywhere in the immediate future, right? I think there's always going to be some sort of utility for it, and in that lean back, I just got home from work, I don't really feel like doing anything somebody entertain me experience. Um, So I I don't think TV is going anywhere in that regard, Um, but what's interesting, right, is we talk a lot about it in the online video world, but in TV, you're kind of always living within that 30-second spot, and how do you truly get your your message across in that 30 seconds? Um, With online video, the possibilities are endless, right, and all of a sudden that 30-second spot becomes a a two-and-a-half-minute spot, a a five-and-a-half-minute spot um, where you really have the creative canvas to kind of tell your brand story. Um, and really in, in an authentic and kind of unique way. Um, one of the things that was interesting this year, we have something we call the YouTube Ads Leaderboard uh, that basically, you know, kind of ranks the, the top ads from around the year. Um, and really the number one ad was, uh, was a Nike football ad around the World Cup um, featuring Neymar that was five and a half minutes long, um, which is something you would just never be able to accomplish uh, on TV. Brent, any thoughts on this conversation?
1: Yeah, I
5: mean, I think one of the the main ways our generation is disconnected with TV ads, there's just nothing spontaneous and real time about them as well. And I think one of the coolest examples of a brand overcoming this was a few years ago at the Super Bowl when uh, the stadium lost power. And Oreo was able to come up with that really simple copy and simple image, and it says something like, you can still dunk in the dark. But they were just able to release it so quickly that it felt very personalized and real-time. We kind of all felt like we were in on the same joke. And I think it's that ability to turn on a dime that's really going to help more traditional advertising, like TV, if, um, TV media is able to kind of pivot in that sort of way and be able to make, be more relevant in a situation like the Super Bowl that has so many kind of moving pieces.
1: That's all the time we have for our first half of the Millennials. Marketing Technology in 2015, we will be having a second half-hour show just following shortly. Looking forward to continuing the conversation with Sarah from HubSpot, Hannah from Communispace, Jenna from Digitas, Bryn from TableList, Brian from Google and YouTube, and Mo from Codeship.